Job chapter 6. Then Job answered, Oh, that my anguish were weighed, and all my calamity laid in the balances, for now it would be heavier than the sand of the seas. Therefore my words have been rash, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks up their poison. The terrors of God set themselves in array against me. Does the wild donkey bray when he has grass? Or does the ox low over his fodder? Can that which has no flavor be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are loathsome to me. To, they are loathsome food to me. Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to crush me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Let it still be my consol consolation. Yes, let me exult in pain that doesn't spare, that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should wait? What is my end that I should be patient? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh of bronze? Isn't it that I have no help in me, that wisdom is driven away from me? To him who is ready to faint, kindness should be shown from his friend, even to him who forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My brothers have dealt deceitfully as a brook, as the channel of brooks that pass away, which are black by reason of the ice in which the snow hides itself. In the dry season they vanish. When it is hot, they are consumed out of their place. The caravans that travel beside them turn away. They go up into the waste and perish. The caravans of Tema looked. The companies of Sheba waited for them. They were distressed when they were confident. They came there and were confounded. For now you are nothing. You see a terror and are afraid. Did I say give it, give to me? Or offer a present for me from your substance? Or deliver from the adversary's hand? Or redeem me from the hand of the oppressors? Teach me and I will hold my peace. Cause me to understand my error, how forcible are words of uprightness. But your reproof, what does it reprove? Do you intend to reprove words, since the speeches of one who is desperate are as wind? Yes, you would even cast lots for the fatherless and make merchandise of your friend. Now, therefore, be pleased to look at me, for surely I will not lie to your face. Please return. Let there be no injustice. Yes, return again. My cause is righteous. Is there injustice on my tongue? Can't my taste discern mischievous things? Well, we're now in the comments of Job chapter 6. And thank you to Noel for reading for us. So we're into the first reply of Job. So the book of Job is full of speeches, 19 of them. The first speech was Job's. And then we had the first of his friends say something to him, which Eliphaz, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Eliphaz was not encouraging at all. And then now Job is going to respond. So it's almost like, a you know, you go to high school debates and you've got two teams and they, they there's a system. Well, 
there's a pattern here too, a pattern of debate. And uh, so we've, we've had Job, we've had Eliphaz, and now we have Job's first reply. And uh, <laughs> Eliphaz basically says, you're a sinner and you've got to just admit it and you've got to repent to the Lord and the Lord will, will start to raise you back up again. And Job, he says this in, in, in his speech, in verses 1 to 13 that you've just listened to, he basically says how miserable he is. And, and get a load of this. This is the verse, first two verses. Job answered, Oh, that my anguish were weighed, and my calamity weighed in the balance. It would be heavier than the sand of the seas. <laughs> Imagine all the sand of the whole world, how heavy that would be. So in the first 13 verses, he just expresses how miserable he is. One of the commentators said that, all the speeches start to get boring because it's the same thing over and over and over again. You know, basically everyone accusing Job and Job defending themselves. But they did say what keeps it interesting is all the f expressions of speech that Job uses. Like he said here, oh, my, if my misery could be weighed, it would be heavier than all the sand of the, be of the seas. So, yeah, in the first 13 verses, he complains. He says how miserable his life is. In verses 14 to 23 of this verse, he moves on to say how useless his friends are at cheering him up. <laughs> and it's true, they are. And then verses 24 to 30, he goes on and demands, he speaks directly to his friends and he says, look, if I've done something wrong, tell me what it is because I don't think I have and I don't know what it is. Fair enough. In verse 10, Job says this. He says um, that I have this consolation. He says that in my pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. So in Job's reply, he maintains his innocence, like his friends are accusing him of sinning and being guilty. But he says, you know what? I, I have got this consolation. I'm in a great deal of pain, but I know I have not denied the Holy One or his words. So he refuses to blame God. And uh, blaming God is, it turns out, is easy to do. And a lot of people do. When things go wrong in their lives, they're very quick to blame God. You know, Lord, if you love me, why would you do this to me? And um, I, I know that <laughs> when I've taken little children to the, um, to the doctors to get their vaccinations, you know, these are like little, little children. One of the worst ones is the two-year-old vaccination because when they're younger than two, they don't understand what's happening to them. They just get the needle and it's over with. They cry and they look confused. They wonder where the pain's coming from, especially the little babies. Um, but it's it's all over and you give them a lollipop or whatever and it's, they forget about it very quick. By the time they get to two, um, they get, in Australia anyway, they used to get two needles, one in each arm, and they were old enough to have figured a few things out and they'd get the first needle and then they'd realise there's another one coming. So it was awkward and they'd give you a look like why why are you doing this to me i don't know if you've if that's been your experience if you're a parent and by the time they're four they're older but they're also a little bit old a little bit reasonable enough in most cases to explain things to that this is going to be good for you sometimes god allows things to us that will be good for us we don't understand them other times things happen to us that god didn't allow or god didn't cause but god works it out for good there's plenty of stories like this, and so I've learned in my life not to blame the Lord. Uh, I do ask questions, though, because I want to understand. But it's very, very easy to blame the Lord, and a lot of people do. And if you've blamed the Lord, just ask the Lord to forgive you, say that you're sorry, and then now ask him for understanding. Or perhaps you now have the understanding because your years have gone past and you've been able to look back on a situation 
And you might remember that famous uh, footprint called uh, poem called Footprints. And if you don't know it, just Google it, just poem, Footprints poem. And it talked about a guy who it seemed like he looked back on his life and it was like footprints walking down the beach. And he saw there were two sets. It was him and the Lord Jesus walking together. He said, but sometimes he noticed there was only one set of footprints. And then he realized it was during the worst parts of his life. <laughs> so, Lord, why did you leave me in the worst parts of my life? And the Lord said, no, I didn't leave you. I carried you. And so that's the nature of our God here is that it's often during the terrible times of our life, there's a, it's easy to slip into blaming, Lord, like in that poem, Lord, why did you leave me during the worst parts of my life? But we might find out in hindsight that in those worst parts of our life, the Lord was with us. In fact, if the Lord hadn't been with us, many worse things would have happened or the Lord needed those bad things to happen for our, for our character or for other personal growth or for other outcomes to come about and so on. And so um, <laughs> Job has this consolation that he hasn't denied the Lord. He hasn't blamed God and he's very honourable in doing that. And um, he basically says to his friends, look, my suffering is genuine and you're not helping, but at least I haven't blamed the Lord. And you can't, um, you can't argue about that. So I was going to suggest to you in this video that, that there are times in our lives where things are difficult. And I was going to suggest that instead of blaming the Lord, you talk to him very, very honestly, but without blame. And we've got, there are Psalms like this in the Bible. There's a Psalm, and I, it has escaped my mind now, but it's a Psalm of David. There are two Psalms in a row, and it might be 10 and 11 or 11, 12, somewhere in the early part of the Psalms. In one of the Psalms, David he doesn't accuse God, but he goes very close. But he's talking to the Lord as honestly as you can say. And, and he, he pretty much says to the Lord, with friends like you, who needs enemies? You know, where were you when I was fleeing in the desert? Where were you when this was happening? My enemies were pursuing me. Where were you? But in the very next psalm, he says, thank you, Lord, you were with me. And it, he, it's almost though he wrote one psalm when he was questioning and the next psalm when he'd realized, maybe it was written years later, but they've been paired together in the book of Psalms and we'll get to them in the very next book. And so I suggest you take the approach of King David that you're just very honest of the heart, you talk to the Lord, and that is what I would call true prayer. A lot of us think that true prayer is like bringing your requests to the Lord, like in some kind of a formula, like, oh Lord, today I come before you, here are my requests, and you lay them down before the Lord in order, like off a list even. But I suggest to you that, yeah, that's prayer, but there's other types of prayer. And one of them is talking to the Lord in truth. You might be, you might be distressed. <laughs> Something might have gone wrong. You might have argued with your wife. Your boss might have just sacked you. And you just talk to the Lord as an honest human and say, Lord, I'm very disappointed in what's happened. I hate it. And I know it's not your fault, but Lord, I need your help. And I don't understand why this has happened to me. Why are people picking on me? You know, why is so-and-so accusing me? And you can talk to the Lord with pure honesty, just like David does. And as you'll find it as we go through, like Job does too. In some of the latest speeches of Job, he forgets that he's speaking and he slips into prayers. It just like his speech just turns into a prayer. And we'll notice that as we go along. And so my encouragement to you would be to take up the authentic prayers of Job and David, of speaking to the Lord exactly how you feel. For starters, the Lord already knows anyway. So it's the Lord looks into your heart. It's not like 
how you feel is hidden from him, but second of all, he's big enough to handle it. So there's something about pouring out your heart to the Lord, like Hannah did in 1 Samuel chapter 1. She was barren, she was distressed, she poured out her heart to the Lord, shared her honest feelings. And I suggest if there is a part of the Bible that would encourage you to do that, it would be the book of Job. So Lord, you, you see us for who we are. We're just ordinary people. There isn't a lot about us to commend to you, but we do have Christ. And we commend Christ to you, Lord, on our behalf. Lord, accept us the way we are. And I pray, Lord, that you would lift us up from our very many human struggles that we have and carry us into your presence. And I pray that grace would be given to us to pray in the heartfelt manner that Job did. In Jesus' name, amen.